and you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. I am Ryan, and I'm here today with Chris and Mandy. Hey! Two for the price of one. There you go. So we are diving into Judges. We're going to learn a little bit more about Jephthah, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Samson. Uh, so the first thing we get in the reading, which is very interesting, is this situation uh, with Jephthah offering his, uh, well, actually offering whatever he sees first. So what do you think, guys? What's behind door number one? <laughs> this is an Old Testament game show. Yes. You probably don't want to play. <laughs> so yes, he makes a vow, basically tries to make a deal with God. He says, if you give me victory, I will do this. Which, in and of itself, should probably send up some warning flags to us that he is bargaining with God. He is treating him like he would treat Baal or any of the other gods in the area and trying to say, hey, if I do this, then you do this or vice versa. That's not the way that God interacts with his people. So that should be a warning sign right there. What would have happened had he not followed through with his vow? Uh, I actually think he would have been more obedient. Uh, I don't. I don't think he would have been punished for not following through with his vow because Scripture does say that we, in the law, that we need to honor our vow. We need to honor our words, but it also says not to make a rash vow. And so I think this would qualify as a rash vow, one he didn't think through. So I actually don't. I think he would have been like, I wasn't thinking straight. Sorry about that. I think he would have been okay. Well, also he's he's like offering his daughter as a sacrifice, basically. Not well, I mean, and he's he's holding to a vow. But this is, like, very sacrificial in nature. Like, he's cutting a deal with God saying, like, yeah, okay, I'm going to give this – my daughter to you. And I, I feel like you would expect to read this and be like, and it, that's not what happened. Yeah. But this is like – and then he killed her. He valued his vow over his daughter. Yeah. Something should have, you know, caused him to go, wait a second, my priorities are out of whack with this. So, yeah, and it just kind of, I mean, it's almost a little anticlimactic. Yep, and he kept his vow. Did what I he guess th- I don't understand. What did he think was going to come out of his house to meet him when he returned? Did he think, like, a lamp was going to come out? Like, what the heck? Like, obviously a person's going to walk out. So why would you create that as your thing? I uh, may have thought an animal would walk out. Like a really annoying dog. Be like, or even, I mean, in this this kind of a culture, animals would have been in and out of the living environment, too. So maybe it was a chicken or, you know, a sheep or something this like that. This really so, is like, let's make a deal. Because, you know, behind door number two, sometimes it really is just like a wild raccoon or a chicken. Or it could be your daughter. Uh, <laughs> how about the takeaway from this is, let's not play that game with the Lord. So crazy. Takeaway is, treat God like you're supposed to treat him. Don't treat him like a pagan deity. Yeah, and in, in in the context of judges, that is what we're consistently seeing, even from these judges that are being used by God, is that their their interactions with God are very much based on the Baal worship that they're used to. Like, hey, God, I'm going to do this for you if you do this for me, and that's not how God wants to be treated. Do you think they had ill intent, or do you think they didn't know better? Probably both. Hmm. Uh but scripture never says that ignorance is the get out of jail free card. So I think the culture around them probably gave them some just this is the way we do things. But they were part of the people of Israel. They also had the, the truth. They also had the, the stories of faithfulness that in that side, they also should have known better. So for today, when we operate in ignorance or we make a vow, maybe and we shouldn't, because people do that today, right? God, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you forever. So what happens if somebody finds themselves in a place like that? They, How does it translate today to us? Should make a good choice on the other side if they made a bad choice on the front side. (laughs) 
Um, and, and the thing is, we like you can sin and you can be forgiven, but there's still consequences. Mm. And so even if people make it a, a bad decision today, it, it's not just, well, I didn't know any better. Even if you didn't know better, there's still consequences. Mm. So, and the crazy thing that just blows my mind, Jephthah's one of the guys that gets listed in Hebrews chapter 11, which I don't see a whole lot of faith here, but... I can definitely look at Jephthah and go, well, we can certainly say that honoring God is not about works because this guy didn't have the works for sure. Apparently he had faith and God said that he had enough faith to be considered uh, good, but he definitely didn't have the works. And we're going to see that also when we get to our next friend, Samson. Samson, Samson right. is also a guy who is in Hebrews chapter 11. And he is highlighted for his faith, but we are going to get a deep dive into some of his works. Okay, the next time we're all going to say a word at the same time together, give me the signal, okay? Should we, like, clap or something? No, just something. That was, I felt really left out. So this is, like, this This is definitely the next flannel graph character, Samson. Like, oh, Samson, he's awesome. He did so many cool things. But, again, this is a great time, uh, especially if you've heard this story a hundred times. Like, actually take a minute, read what's going on, take a minute, listen to the actual text reading that we're going to do. It's a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow. Um, but there's there should be a couple things in this Samson story that maybe get your attention that's like, huh, this is a little bit weird. Um, so the, the, the first thing is that Samson is set apart before he's even born um, to be a Nazarite. Now, we, we got some of these Nazarite rules and laws. Is that Deuteronomy? That was Leviticus. Leviticus. Okay, so there's some, some Nazarite laws to follow. It's kind of rare to be set apart for your entire life as a Nazarite. That's pretty unique, mm-hmm. right? There's not many that would have that happen in Scripture. It's usually for a period of time. But to do it for life, there's not a whole lot of those. We, yeah. Samson, John the Baptist, there's just a few. But it also doesn't take very long to be like, wait, this guy is actually, maybe he never read Leviticus. Yeah, because if you <laughs> go back, uh, if you're a real Bible geek, you could do this. You go back and read Leviticus, the chapter that talks about Nazareth vow, and you're going to see all the ways that Samson continually breaks this vow. He doesn't hold to it all. No, no. Um, he's also uh, has some really great marriage advice, I think. Yes. Um, some, Sarcasm. Some standout things he says. Um Get her for me. She looks good to me. You know what I say about I say that about pizza. Hey, get that for me. That looks good to me. This is like what a I, caveman situation. What I don't say that about is human beings. Yes. So um, strike number one for Samson. How do you like how he refers to his wife later? Like if you plow with my heifer. Heifer. I mean, maybe, I noticed maybe, that. Maybe that was a pet name uh. back then. Like maybe that was the you know the judge's equivalent of honey. He was not talking about his farm practices. That's yeah. that's very true. Guys, reading it made me uncomfortable. I gotta be honest. (laughs) So this is definitely not a book that you go to for marriage advice. I would also say that, you know, as a father, I'm thinking, you know, part of my transformation in my view of Samson, I'm like, you know, I I would not want my kids to grow up to be like Samson. Like we hear this story, the because there's sensational stories and they're memorable, but it's like, do we really want kids to grow up to be like Samson? <laughs> it is weird because I definitely have memories of like, man, Samson is so awesome, but it's actually just because he was so strong. I think it's the strength. Okay, can we, from a girl's perspective, hearing stories of Samson as a kid, I was not impressed with it. I'm like, <laughs> so it's a guy thing. Yeah, maybe it's guys, a guy thing. You guys are impressed by his strength, and I was appalled by the fact that he was so like disrespectful and kind of crazy. I'm I mean, sure. we we figured that out later once we matured a little bit. I guess, I'm like just once we got past. Superhero phase. 
I'm just appalled by the fact I was taught to love this guy. <laughs> That's true. Like, but here's the weird thing. It says like his mom and dad didn't realize the Lord was at work in this when he's talking about get me that girl. Yeah. Like, get me the pizza. Get me the girl. The, but so the Lord's at work. Like, so what about that? Like God's orchestrating all of this? Well, God does work within culture and he does work within time and space. And so the way that people would get married back then, it wasn't the way that it is now. So yeah. there probably was a little bit of women being seen as property. And so, I mean, even if you remember back in Genesis, some of the ways that those guys got wives was very different than we, how we do it today. Well, and there's been significant drift from, oh. from honoring God. So this is, this is this not is a not, godly culture. It's not a godly culture. And I think that's an easy thing to miss because you're reading it in the Bible. So it feels like, oh, probably these people are godly and they're hundred percent not. So they're, they don't, they don't have that background to be honoring God in these decisions. And he, he shouldn't be marrying a Philistine in the first place. Nope. Another strike. Yeah. And I think I said this yesterday, but we got to remember it throughout the book of Judges. It's not the the judges that are the heroes. God yeah. is the hero of this. God is moving his people forward in, in a dark period of history. So he's still working in the midst of darkness. And it is moving towards something in the future that's better, King David. But right now, th- things are pretty ugly. And, and even the guys that he's using are very messed up. Uh, judges is a great picture of God can use anyone. Um, in, in the spirit of talking about guys that are messed up, um, when the dad says, Hey, I thought you hated her. So I gave her away to your best man, but don't worry. I got a daughter that's better looking. Yo, that's so rude. <laughs> Why is it the guys? I can't with this chapter. Again, don't take marriage advice from Samson. Yeah, I know. I gotta, Actually, I gotta take this. To the maybe don't take advice from judges <laughs> overall, <laughs> Period. uh, other hey, than seeing everything you shouldn't do. Uh, don't, yeah. Judges is dark. It, I mean, we just can't put a shine on it. It's dark. There you go, guys. Tune in tomorrow for more dark. Yes. <laughs> we'll see you then. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow. We got more Samson. More Chris, Samson. There you go. All right. All right. See you guys. Judges chapter 11, starting in verse 29. At that time, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he went throughout the land of Gilead and Manasseh, including Mizpah and Gilead. And from there, he led an army against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He said, if you give me victory over the Ammonites, I will give to the Lord whatever comes out of my house to meet me when I return in triumph. I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. So Jephthah led an army against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave him victory. He crushed the Ammonites, devastating about 20 towns from Aror to an area near Minith, and as far away as ebel Kimrim. In this way, Israel defeated the Ammonites. When Jephthah returned home to Mizpah, his daughter came out to meet him, playing the tambor- on a tambourine and dancing for joy. She was his one and only child, and he had no other sons and daughters. When he saw her, he tore his clothes in anguish. Oh, my daughter, he cried, you have completely destroyed me. You brought disaster on me, for I have made a vow to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. And she said, Father, if you made a vow to the Lord, you must do to me what you have vowed. For the Lord has given you a great victory over your enemies, the Ammonites. But first, let me do this one thing. Let me go up and roam in the hills and weep with my friends for two months because I will die a virgin. You may go, Jephthah said. And he sent her away for two months. She and her friends went into the hills and wept because she would never have children. When she returned home, her father kept the vow he had made and she died a virgin. So it has become a custom in Israel for the young Israelite women to go away for four days each year to lament the fate of Jephthah's daughter. Then the people of Ephraim mobilized an army and crossed over the Jordan River to Zaphron. 
They sent this message to Jephthah. Why didn't you call for us to help you fight against the Ammonites? We're going to burn down your house with you in it. Jephthah replied, I summoned you at the beginning of the dispute, but you refused to come. You failed to help us in our struggle against Ammon. So when I realized you weren't coming, I risked my life and went into battle without you. And the Lord gave me victory over the Ammonites. So why have you now come to fight me? The people of Ephraim responded, Your men of Gilead are nothing more than fugitives from Ephraim and Manasseh. So Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead and attacked the men of Ephraim and defeated them. Jephthah captured the shallow crossings of the Jordan River, and whenever a fugitive from Ephraim tried to go back across, the men of Gilead would challenge him. Are you a member of the tribe of Ephraim? They would ask. If the men said, No, I am not, they would say to him to say Shibboleth. If he came from Ephraim, he would say Shibboleth because the people from Ephraim cannot pronounce the word correctly. Then they would take him and kill him at the shallow crossings of the Jordan. In all, 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at that time. Jephthah judged Israel for six years. When he died, he was buried in one of the towns of Gilead. After Jephthah died, Ebzan from Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters. He sent his daughters to marry men outside his clan, and he brought in 30 young women from outside his clan to marry his sons. Ebzen judged Israel for seven years. When he died, he was buried in Bethlehem. After Ebzen died, Elon, from the tribe of Zebulun, judged Israel for ten years. When he died, he was buried at Ajalon in Zebulun. After Elon died, Abdin, son of Hillel, from Perthon, judged Israel. He had forty sons and thirty grandsons who rode on seventy donkeys. He judged Israel for eight years. When he died, he was buried at Perathon in Ephraim in the hill country of the Amalekites. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Philistines, who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you must soon you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. The woman ran and told her husband, A man of God appeared to me. He looked like one of God's angels, terrifying to see. I didn't ask where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name, but he told me you will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food, for your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, saying, Lord, please let the man of God come back to us again and give us more instructions about the son who is to be born. God answered Manoah's prayer, and the angel of God appeared once again to his wife as she was sitting in the field. But her husband, Manoah, was not with her. So she quickly ran and told her husband, the man who appeared to me the other day is here again. Manoah ran back with his wife and asked, are you the man who spoke to my wife the other day? Yes, he replied, I am. So Manoah asked him, when your words come true, what kinds of rules should govern this boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord replied, Be sure your wife follows the instructions I gave her. She must not eat grapes or raisins, drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, or eat any forbidden food. Then Manoah said to the Lord, the angel of the Lord, Please stay here until we can prepare young goat for you to eat. I will stay, the angel of the Lord replied, but I will not eat anything. However, you may prepare a burnt offering as a sacrifice to the Lord. Manoah didn't realize it was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah asked the angel of the Lord, What is your name? For when all this comes true, we want to honor you. Why do you ask my name? The angel of the Lord replied, is it, it is too wonderful for you to understand. 
Then Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering and offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And as Manoah and his wife watched, the Lord did an amazing thing. As the flames from the altar shot up towards the sky, the angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell with their faces to the ground. The angel did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Manoah finally realized it was the angel of the Lord, and he said to his wife, We will certainly die, for we have seen God. But his wife said, If the Lord were going to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offering and our grain offering. He wouldn't have appeared to us and told us this wonderful thing and done these miracles. When her son was born, she named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him while he lived in Mahadan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtol. One day, when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, A young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you can marry? They asked, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. His father and mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat, but he didn't tell his father or mother about it. When Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with the woman and was very pleased with her. Later, when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion, and he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother, and they ate it, but he didn't tell them he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. As his father was making final arrangements for the marriage, Samson threw a party at Timnah, as was the custom for elite young men. When the bride's parents saw him, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions. Samson said to them, let me tell you a riddle. If you solve my riddle during these seven days of the celebration, I will give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. All right, they agreed. Let's hear your riddle. So he said... Out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Three days later, they were still trying to figure it out. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband to explain the riddle for us, or we will burn down your father's house with you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, You don't love me. You hate me. You have given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. I haven't even given the answer to my father or mother, he replied. Why should I tell you? So she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Then she explained the riddle to the young men. So before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson replied, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer... You wouldn't have solved my riddle. Then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to the town of Ashkelon, killed 30 men, took their belongings, and gave their clothing to the men who had solved his riddle. But Samson was furious about what had happened, and he went back home to live with his father and mother. So his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. Later on, during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. He said, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her, but her father wouldn't let him in. 
I truly thought you must hate her, her father explained, so I gave her in marriage to your best man. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. Samson said, this time I cannot be blamed for everything I am going to do to you Philistines. Then he went out and caught 300 foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs, and he fastened a torch to each pair of tails. Then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. Who did this? The Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave in the rock of Etam. The Philistines retaliated by setting up camp in Judah and spreading out near the town of Lehi. The men of Judah asked the Philistines, why are you attacking us? The Philistines replied, we've come to capture Samson. We've come to pay him back for what he did to us. So 3,000 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave in the rock of Etam. They said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? But Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. But the men of Judah told him, we have come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. All right, Samson said, but promise that you won't kill me yourselves. We will only tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines, they replied. We won't kill you. So they tied him up with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrists. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed 1,000 Philistines with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. When he finished his boasting, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was named Jawbone Hill. Samson was now very thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord, You have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Samson was revived as he drank. Then he named that place the Spring of the One Who Cried Out, and it is still in Lehi to this day. Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.